Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on www.vhha.com and on popular podcast hosting sites and apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 AM across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that is pcfpodcast at vhha.com. And with that out of the way, today we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Relitza Maduro of Sintera Healthcare and Dr. Bryn Sheehan of Eastern Virginia Medical School, who are one of four teams of scientific researchers who are finalists in the American Heart Association's COVID-19 Data Challenge. We'll discuss that, their work, and more, but first, welcome to the program. Thank, Thank you. you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. So as we mentioned, our, our two guests today are both accomplished PhD researchers who recently won a $5,000 prize in advance to the final round of a data competition focused on understanding the relationship between COVID-19 and other health conditions and environmental factors. In the competition, Dr. Sheehan and Dr. Maduro led a project on the impact of masking policy variation on COVID-19 positivity rates and evidence of race-based differences. So let's start there. I'd like to hear from each of you about the contours of your research work and the role each of you play on this particular project. Project. Dr. Maduro, we'll start with you. Can you give us an overview of this project and your work on it, please? Absolutely. Good morning. Um, this project has been, first of all, the, one of the most fun projects um, I've done uh, because it started at something uh, Dr. Sheehan and I and uh, our two other colleagues, our team members, uh, Josh Edwards, also from EVMS, and Sarah DePerrier. But Sarah, Josh, Bryn, and I, um, our friends and, and that we love data and we love research. And, uh, this was work that we did outside of our work hours. Uh, certainly it was something that my experience as a biostatistician at Centera Healthcare had prepared me for in terms of, you know, understanding uh, data science and being able to model data. Uh, but the love that we have, Dr. Sheehan and I are both social scientists and we come from a social scientist background and we're uh, graduate school friends. Um, we have this passion for bringing in social science to data science and uh, using um, our skills um, and abilities uh, to go beyond just the quantitative outcomes and, and do some real-world research. So when this data challenge was announced, it was more of, uh, hey, that looks like something fun to do. Do you guys want to try and see if we could um, use some publicly available data that's out there to, to create some models that are meaningful for our community? So... This is my perspective on it. Okay, great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. And Dr. Sheehan, mm -hmm. similar question for you. If you could share your perspective and thoughts on the project and its examination on social factors and race-related health disparities and how they're manifesting during COVID-19. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a big question. I think it's very well known right now. If, if you weren't informed before, we have a big racial inequity in our country, and the pandemic has just highlighted that. It has left those who are most vulnerable in the most struggling positions. And the, I don't even think that focusing on race specifically was at the forefront of our minds when we started to do this project. As Relitza mentioned, we just have a passion for doing research. And it just happens to be that both Relitza and I do research on racial inequities, on social injustices. We have a number of projects looking at gender and race-based violence. So I think as the project continued, it naturally came up that this was something that we needed to look at. 
And that is probably the main finding of our project. We were looking at masking policies across states and kind of highlighting different levels of masking severity from masks just being recommended to masks being mandated. And when you look at the country as a whole, it looks like the masking policy had its intended effects. But when you break it down by racial groups, some groups had a much stronger effect than others. And it it ended up being that the whole population analysis was actually being driven by the white population. So for whites, we had a absolute intended effect of masking policies. So those states that had more strict policies, and usually because they started off with higher numbers of positive rates of COVID, they saw a big drop in positive cases, which is great. But across Black and Hispanic groups, you did not see that effect. So it's just another another racial inequity that we're seeing with this pandemic, but it's unfortunately one of many, which could be a whole another podcast. But I'm I'm happy that the project ended up focusing on racial inequity because I think that's at the core of what uh, Relitza, Dr. Maduro, and I study on our own time anyway, but also because it is such a big issue right now as it has been, but at least now it's being talked about more and it's being highlighted more. Well, that's fascinating, especially the part you say where your initial focus in getting into this project wasn't necessarily race related, even though that you have a background in that kind of research, but the data led you there. Uh, so that's really fascinating. I appreciate that, um, that that explanation. Dr. Maduro, you mentioned that you work as a biostatistician at Centera Healthcare, uh, and you mentioned that you and Dr. Sheehan both worked on this project in your off hours. At a time when data-informed decision-making influences organizational direction more than ever, I wonder if you could tell us about your work and how it contributes to the way a major health system like Centera operates, um, whether it be with business decisions or clinical decisions, especially during a time of an unprecedented global pandemic. This is a great question. I have, in the, so I've been with Centera for four years, and in my four years with Centera, I've seen um, tremendous growth in in how much our leadership values data-driven decisions, seeks data uh, to inform decisions. I am privileged starting in 2019, 40% of my time is fully committed to the Office of Health Equity, and I work under Iris Lundy, uh, who's our Director of Health Equity. And so my passion for that type of work, it, it was just such a perfect opportunity for me to bring the research, the data, the methods, expertise that I bring as a biostatistician to answer health equity questions. Our chief uh, medical officer, Dr. Jordan Asher, has been a champion and, and pioneered a lot of that work around health equity at Centera Healthcare. And a lot of it was already ongoing from our existing leadership, uh, but more so uh, with COVID now. Um, we, we use data. Uh, we've immediately, starting in early March, uh, began creating a database um, that that we use, that we track COVID cases, we track positivity, we track hundreds of data elements around each and every one of our patients and for the sole purposes of improving care of our patients every day. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Iris Lundy. Iris and uh, Dana Becton are actually past guests on an episode of this podcast, and we talked about uh, the health equity work that they do for Centera. Uh, so that's a nice full mm-hmm. circle moment. And, and Dr. Jordan Asher, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, uh, he's been heavily involved in the, the state, both the Centera-focused as well as sort of the statewide COVID response. So I have a, I've had an opportunity to cross paths and, and interact with him sort of indirectly on projects that uh, we've both been connected to during the pandemic response. 
response. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, Dr. Sheehan, mm-hmm. similar question. Tell us about your work uh, as an assistant professor at EVMS in the Healthcare Analytics Institute. What do you do there? What does your work entail? My work I have part of my time to continue my own research program and part of my time to provide methodological, epidemiological, and statistical support to faculty, student, resident, and fellows at EVMS. So the Healthcare Analytics Institute was developed about four years ago as a place that those at EVMS doing research can turn to for assistance during the process. Research has definitely been highlighted more over the last few years, especially for our students, but it's still new. So we have a number of MPH, Masters in Public Health, and epidemiological trained research staff. We also have PhD level faculty within the Healthcare Analytics Institute, and we are available to all EVMS students and faculty to assist with their research projects. So that might be just running analyses for them if they if they don't have those biostatistical skills, or it might be in the beginning of a project, coming up with understanding how to research, helping to fine-tune research questions and aims, and then assisting the progression of that project to see it through. And what has the situation been like um, right now at EVMS? Are classes on campus? Are they virtual? Um, how are things going in that regard? I think we're kind of in a hybrid right now. So I don't teach. We lead in the, from the institute. We leave us lead a few research boot camps every year. Those are on hold, but I do not see students. Um, but I have learned from my colleagues that they are back in the classroom. Um, EVMS has made tremendous efforts to ensure the safety of the students and, of course, all the staff and faculty as well. We have a new building opening up on EVMS, and so they have situated that building so that desks are further apart. There are partitions so that students feel protected. So I'm, they're doing absolutely everything they can to protect everybody who is walking on campus. Um, and we have very strict policies regarding masking. Okay, good to hear. And with that handled, I have a few questions for both of you to give our listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work you do. Uh, first, and Dr. Maduro, we'll start with you. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? To stay positive and to, to look long term. We encounter barriers at work daily, but it, keeping your, your long-term goal in view is, is most important. Okay. And Dr. Sheehan, same question. Well, to those, that's a good piece of advice. <laughs> good job on that answer. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I think mine would be uh, less work-oriented. I think the best piece of advice, and they came from two different people, one was that nobody's been in your shoes, nobody's experienced what you are experiencing And then the other part of that is nothing that you're experiencing is new. Everyone has already experienced it. So I keep both of those pieces of advice in mind throughout life as part of comfort, knowing that you are independent and and it's okay to have struggles and challenges, but at the same time, knowing that you're part of a collective whole and everybody has been in your shoes before is very comforting. Two truisms. Stay optimistic and there's nothing new under the sun. Agree with both of those pieces of advice. (laughs) Next question I have for you, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on Earth, what would your last meal be? Dr. Sheehan, we'll go with you first this time. How do you come up with these questions? Well, we just we 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 like to we like to ask some professional things, and then you know to ask the personal things, so that people who are listening can say, "Oh, I can relate to that," or "That's interesting." Oh I may not goodness. work in the same field as that person, but that's something interesting I have in common with them. 
Okay. Uh, my last meal. I am a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I have been for about 11 years. And as you bring up a last meal, I immediately thought back to, I, I love to travel, obviously, pre-pandemic. Um, but I was in Israel once and we had dinner in a Bedouin tent and sat down on the ground and we're all sharing the meal together. And that was probably one of my favorite interactive meals. And so I guess recreating that situation, but full of vegetarian food um, and friends and family, that would probably be my last meal. So more more about the setting than the particular type of food, as long as it's vegetarian fare. Yes. Yeah. Uh, understood. <laughs> Dr. Maduro, same question. Well, for me, it's easy. I'm from Bulgaria, uh, born and raised, and I came to the United States uh, when I was a freshman in college. And uh, we have this pastry that's called banisa, and I've made it for Bryn. I know you've tried it. It's feta cheese and phyllo dough, and it's delicious. And it's something it that my delicious. grandmother's, it's so good. Um, and I think the Greeks try to claim it. Uh, there's a spinach version of it, spinacopoda, mm-hmm. if you've had that. But uh, the Bulgarians, we make it with feta cheese, and uh, it's just the best and my favorite, and it reminds me of home, and my grandmothers would make it for every holiday, for every festival for for any life event or just for it because it's Sunday. Um, so that's my thing. That would be my truth. Well, I was going to say when you were describing it, it sounded like Spanakopita, but that's interesting. I did not know that that uh, that Bulgaria has the original claim on that. So that's 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 a good fact <laughs> <Well>. to learn. <laughs> well, you'll you'll we you'll say boarded. that. <laughs> we've boarded, like we've said, boarded each other. <laughs> I like how you said we've the Greeks try to claim it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we've boarded each other for two thousand years on the Balkan Peninsula, so I feel like it's an ongoing. It's been an ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's bleeding yeah. ba- it's bleeding back and forth. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll call it that. All right, and then finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So, other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Mm-hmm. Doctor Maduro, we'll start with mm-hmm. you first this time. All right. Well, for music, I'll I'll pick Lizzo. her album because I love you that was I hadn't heard of Lizzo and recently Dr. Shan got married and I got to be a bridesmaid at her wedding and we listened to Lizzo's music and it was the most sort of powerful women inspiring music and it's just it brought so much positive energy so definitely pick Lizzo for a book I'm gonna pick the the undoing project by Michael Lewis it's about the friendship between two psychologists, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. And I mean, Michael Wood is just a wonderful writer. He brought you Money Ball and some other great books. But if you haven't read it, I just strongly recommend it. Not only because of the science, certainly they cover a lot of their uh, wonderful work that informed behavioral economics. And, you know, Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize um, with his work, but about their friendship. It's just, it's a testament to the power of collaboration. And I think that's why our project is doing so well because Bryn and I collaborate and, and Josh and Sarah collaborate so well together. And I think this book, it, it just, it would be a great book to have and to read. And you said movie, right? Yes, ma'am. For a movie, my favorite movie of all time is a classic, that's Casablanca. What about us? 
We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. And I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. The 1943 Humphrey Bogart movie. Mm -hmm. it's, I know it, it, people think of it as a love story. Uh, he actually helped a set of Bulgarian refugees in the movie, if you've ever seen it. I have. It's just timeless, and it's, again, symbolic about, you know, sacrificing your individual happiness for just a higher purpose. So those are my answers. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing mm -hmm. those picks, and here's looking at you. And Dr. Sheehan, uh, <laughs> same question. And, by the way, congratulations on your nuptials. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I was happy to introduce Rolitza to Lizzo. Um, <laughs> So Relitza knows I have such a difficult time making decisions, which is why I love data, because it just gives you the answer, you see it, and there it is. If I had to pick music, I'm going to break the rule and hopefully bring two. I would bring some old band of Queen. And new band of Sylvanesso, I think the two of them would keep me happy on this deserted island. I love Queen. Uh, right? <laughs> Who doesn't? For books, since you mentioned the, we would get the religious text because I, in my off time, I teach and do yoga. So I have a ton of books on yoga and Buddhism and Tatnahan and, but if they're already included, probably one of the, the first books that really hit me in a different way was Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. And it's the book that I've given out the most to friends and family. So I, I guess I'd bring Ishmael. It has a special place in my heart. And regarding movies, this year, a few friends, my husband and I and two of our friends, we had made this pact that we then broke because of the pandemic. But we had a goal to watch all of Tom Hanks's films. He has about 55 <laughs> real films. So we thought if we watch a movie a week, we could basically get through all of Tom Hanks's films because Tom Hanks is amazing. So my mind is going to a league of their own, which has been a, a favorite of mine since I was a child. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. And I love true, um, or almost true, sports movies. So that falls into that category very well. So I would probably pick A League of Their Own. That is a good movie, Dirt in the Skirt. Yes. 
Well, listen, that is going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd encourage you to go to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to thank our two guests, Dr. Ralitza Maduro and Dr. Bryn Sheehan for joining us today. And congratulations again on making it to the final round of the American Heart Association data competition. So... Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you.